He's welcome in this house. Amen? Is He welcome in this house? As I'm pointing to my own flesh. Is He welcome in this house? Is He welcome in your house? Is He welcome in your house? Amen? Amen. If during the course of that praise and worship, if you sang those words and you meant them from your heart, He's welcome in this place. He's here among us. Amen? Amen. Amen. Great God, our Father in heaven, in the name of Jesus, we come before you now. It's in His name that we're gathered. Lord, I have faith. Lord, there are people among me uh, that are here, that are present. We have faith. We have faith in Your Word. We desire to have fellowship with each other, but more importantly, Lord, without You being in the center of it, it it means nothing. Lord, we thank You for good reports from the doctor. We thank You for... Lord, our children's health. We thank you, Lord, for so many of the wonderful things that we've experienced over the course of this last week since we've last been together. But Lord, there's also have been challenges. Lord, whether it's in our personal lives, in our families, or whether we're seeing in the news reports these families who are suffering greatly over the loss of their children, over the loss of their loved ones, Lord, I, I, words escape me. I, I just know that this is a cruel, cold world. The prince in the power of the air is doing everything he can to just, to just totally destroy and kill. But Lord, you came that we might have life. Lord, those are just not words. That's truth. So Lord, help us understand this morning a little bit more of your truth. That we may be more conform to the image of Jesus, that we may walk in this, this world that it seems to be so more, much more determined now than ever before to walk separately from you, to be totally and opposed to you. Lord, help us in the middle of all of that to be salt and light. So Lord, help us through the rest of our time together here this morning. Speak to us, Holy Spirit. Lead, guide, and direct us in truth. No matter where we are in our walk with you, no matter what age group we find ourselves in, Lord, let everyone in this room or listen electronically be touched by Holy Spirit this morning. In Jesus' name, amen? Amen. Amen. I'm going to start off, and you know, I'm just trusting God, so I hope you will too. I know that God will speak if we will listen. In Titus chapter 2, beginning in verse 11, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly. That means temperate, under self-control. So now watch. I want to pause here for a minute. I'm going to start again. But I want to say something. Because this seems to be something that is an issue. Um, Listen, I don't care what medicine you've been prescribed. I don't care um, what alcohol substance you you imbibe. I, I don't care. This word means something. So look, you can't tell me that when you're taking drugs prescribed or not prescribed, or if you're drinking alcohol, and no matter how you want to justify it, if you're, you know, I've heard even of ministers now justifying um, going out, well, I'm not getting drunk. Listen, I, I, I don't, this word means something. So when it says soberly, yes, does it mean temperate, under control, but you cannot tell me that you're taking a drug, prescribed or unprescribed, or you're doing something, smoking dope, or you're doing something, and you're not looking for an outcome. Come on, somebody help me out. Boy, I'm going to get fired up early today. Somebody help me out. You wouldn't be doing it if you weren't looking for some kind of outcome. And so you can't say to me, Pastor, you know, I'm a Christian, but of course they drank wine in the Bible or they did this or that. You, you would not be doing it if you weren't looking for some kind of outcome. So now what? So let me start again. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly. That means temperate, in moderation, awake, alert. Amen? Okay. Righteously and, in God, and, and godly in the present age looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. He is our Savior and He is our God, who gave Himself for us that He might redeem us from every lawless deed 
and purify for himself his own special people, zealous for good works. He's going to purify himself for himself, his own special people. So all of us who are born again, God is categorizing, classifying you as special. And I know that flies in the face of a lot of um, parents who think that your little Brock Morton is the most special thing that God ever created. There's only a couple of you. I mean, where are you this morning? Listen, I'm, I'm not immune to that. Because when my kids were born, I thought they were the most precious, the most... You know, recently I have a minister friend who, uh, a little bit later in his life, he's had his first uh, born child and, you know, sent me pictures and then we get to talking. Oh, I, I don't know, there's just something about this, this little child. This, it's the cutest thing. Oh yeah, he's cute. And that's all I could say because I wanted to say, well, if you think that's the cutest thing, I've got double what you got. I've got two little granddaughters that are the absolute... So I'm, I'm trying, I'm being facetious here a little bit, but you understand, my brothers and sisters, we in this culture and in this society or here on earth in general, we ascribe something being special, right? So let me go on here now in, in 1 Peter 2, beginning in verse 9. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who once were not a people, but now are the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. So I want to point out something to you. If you're reading out of a King James, what you're going to see in both cases is instead of special, it says peculiar. So let, let me go back. Um, God gave himself for us that he might redeem us out of Titus from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own peculiar people. You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. It's his own peculiar people. Peculiar. And some of you fit that bill. But seriously, seriously, there's a reason for me pointing that out to you. And there's a reason why, you know, again, we want to talk about special and we want to talk about what makes a certain individual or a certain thing special. There may be things that are... There are certainly people that have special talents there are certainly people who have special abilities and things of that nature. But as it relates to God, you know, there, show me somebody who has a special talent as it relates to athletics. I, you know what? We can have a debate here right now, and we've had this before, um, relative to who is the best NBA athlete to ever play. Amen. But now there's going to be some people that will put up their fists and they'll say, uh-uh. Who was it? Serious. Who is it? Huh? LeBron James. So, so the, let the fighting begin. But do you understand what I'm trying to illustrate here to you? So I think that Michael Jordan was a very, very special and peculiar basketball player. But now, a couple of generations later, and now you'll see that, you know, serious, so debate me on that because there's someone else. What's my point? My point is, no matter what we label as special or peculiar, there's somebody else on this globe that may be just as or more. Are you with me? It's peculiarity or being special is in the eye of the beholder. Can you say that? Amen? Okay, but here as it relates to God, when God is calling you and God has redeemed you and I to be special, to be peculiar, that means something. That means something, doesn't it? Yes, it does. So I want to take you back just real quick. In Genesis, beginning in chapter 1, verse 26, then God said, let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all of the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. And in the image of God, he created him, he created him male and female, not 32 different genders, just two. He created him male and female. He created them. So now watch, in that, in that word right there, image, you can, I, I hope you do. My brothers and sisters, I pray that you would go back and you would study these scriptures and do a word study on the word special or peculiar and then go also, now image. Image, a, represent, a, represent, a representative figure. It's not the figure, but it's something that looks like it. It's something that, are you there? Uh, It looks like it. Now watch. 
God is invisible. So how could we look like Him? Jesus. Amen. See, Jesus is the image of the invisible God. So now watch. If God is invisible, then how, did Je- how does Jesus look like God? In His character and in His action. Right? Come on. Come on. Stay with me. He is the image of the invisible God. In His essence, He acted, He spoke, He did everything as God. In the, oh, come on. It's the, somebody. Does anybody else read this Bible except me in this room? Come on. So, he, Jesus is the image of the invisible God. So now we are, listen, listen. Man, us, we were created in the image of God. See, when it says, uh, I want to go back when he says his own special people in both places, it's not just that we look like him or it's not tied to the image in that we look like him. It's that he possesses us. The reason why it says peculiar, the reason why it says special, and the reason why it also is tied to the other two words, his own, it means that we are his possession. Are, are you there? That's what makes us peculiar, is that we are connected with God. Thank you. Now we're, we're, so now Adam and Eve are created in the image of God. They're connected to God. But the enemy deceived them and they fell and their sin separated them from God. Yes. Now, they remained peculiar in that they were the only two on the earth at the time. But as soon as the earth begins to get populated, my brothers and sisters... There's no more peculiar except here and there, right? But God. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. So now let's see. The enemy was able to break that connection. That sin caused that connection to be broken. No longer connected. No longer peculiar. Amen. That was the condition that me and you were in. That's what we inherited from them. Amen? So I'm going to jump into Colossians. There will be a little bit out of Colossians and a little bit of Ephesians for the next little bit here. So in Colossians chapter 3 beginning in verse 5 it says, Therefore put to death your members which are on the earth. What does that mean? Your members which are on the earth. If Okay, Tony, you're a pastor. Put to death the members of your church that are on the earth. No. Look at the earthly characteristics, the flesh, those things that are alive in the flesh, put those things to death. Fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. Because the things of the wrath, because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience, in which you yourselves once walked when you lived in them. You were disconnected to God. Adam and Eve became disconnected from God. No longer peculiar, no longer special. Are you there? Okay. But look at verse 8 with me. But now, you yourselves are to put off these things, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Do not lie to one another, since you have put off the old man with his deeds, killing the members. Right? Killing your members. Put your members to death. And have put on the new man, who is renewed in knowledge according to the image. Do you see that? According to the image of him who created him where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised, uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave nor free, but Christ is all and in all. Do you see that? See, now watch. The connection is remade now. In Christ Jesus, we've been renewed in the knowledge according to the image, according to the image of Him who created... Come on. Do you see this now? So now we've got this reconnection. That word image now is that this is the New Testament, see? We were looking in the Old Testament and Genesis, but this is the same thing. This word image, this representative, this representation, it's not the thing, but it looks like the thing. It looks like it in character. Amen? See, again, Jesus, God is invisible. God is invisible. But Jesus is the image of the invisible God. In character, in, in fruit, in, in word, in deed, the way he walked away. Amen? So now we are the image. We are renewed to that image. So what does that mean? Now we know exactly what that should look like. Why? Jesus lived it out for us. So we live like Him. We imitate Christ. Apostle Paul, imitate me as I imitate Christ. I'm showing you what to do. Come on. I love this. So, watch. The corruption, right? Adam and Eve were created in God's image. 
They were corrupted by the enemy. Yes. Right? Yes. They, they sinned. It separated them. They became corrupt. So now, we inherited that corruption from Adam and Eve, but that, that, that corruption was overcome in Christ. Yes. So now, in Christ, we are no longer corrupt. Right? Now we're restored to that image and likeness of God. Now we are His special people. Isn't that what we just read out of the Scripture here? Hallelujah! Hallelujah! So we're restored back to the image. We are now, again, peculiar people. Special. You're so special. Watch in Ephesians. It's not going to be up there. Just listen to me. And you... He made alive who were dead in trespasses and sin in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. Remember that? So you, we used to do that. But God. But God, who is rich in mercy with, with, with this great love with which He loved us. Right? So He renewed us. He restored us. He remade us. Amen? In Christ Jesus. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So we, now we're back to being His special people. Come on. Come on. Listen. Now we are back to being His special people. We are back to being peculiar. Are, are you with me? So then later in Ephesians in chapter 4, look, I, I, you should no longer walk as the rest of the unbelievers walk. You shouldn't walk that way. Why? You've been restored. You've been renewed. You've been remade. You're peculiar. You're special. Amen. You have not so learned. In, in verse 20 of chapter 4, here's what it says. You have not so learned in Christ, if indeed you have heard Him and have been taught by Him as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning the former conduct, your former conduct, what you used to be, why you've been renewed, the old man which grows corrupt. Did you hear that? Yes. Listen, when we start acting the way we used to act, we let that corruption back into our lives. We're no longer peculiar. This is a very basic... Tony, uh, listen, I know that when you come... Wouldn't you rather hear a message that would say to us the same thing? That the, the miracles of Jesus... Now, how, you know, because in Christ Jesus we have everything and the baptism of the Holy Spirit and, and the move of the Holy Spirit and there could be revivals and there could be healings and there could be, you know, speaking in tongues and prophecy and there could be all of these things. Yes and amen. I want every bit of it. But my brothers and sisters, you have to be peculiar in order for that to happen. There's no, no more peculiarity in the church. That's why those things don't happen. So, I, yes, I want that. I want every bit of it. I don't want to preach it, teach it. I want to celebrate it. But my brothers and sisters, we can't get there unless we get this. We're still letting this corruption into our lives. I, I, I just think of how peculiar... That, Who's the most peculiar person that you can remember as it relates to God? Is there anyone that you can remember? When I was thinking about this and mulling it over, the, the first one that came to my mind was Smith Wigglesworth. Anybody remember, or read or hear about Smith Wigglesworth? Thank you, Luke. Anybody? Smith Wigglesworth lived in Great Britain. He was safe. He wasn't educated or anything, but he became born again and he became peculiar. When he was sold out to the Lord and the, he just believed and he had a mighty and a great faith. And this man raised at what Luke was at least two people from the dead? Something like this? Yeah, mul multiple people he raised. God, through him, raised multiple people from the dead. Healings like ridiculous healings. But, but here's the other thing. This Smith Wigglesworth was also so peculiar in that if he was riding on a bus... He made sure that he evangelized people on that bus. He was also known to be, you know, in the middle of a, a bus ride or in the middle of people and then all of a sudden start confessing to the Lord. I'm so sorry, Lord. It's been a half hour or whatever. If I get this the facts a little wrong, please don't write me or anything. You get the gist of it. I'm so sorry, Lord. It's been X amount of time since I last even prayed to you. And it might have been something like 30 minutes. This man was that peculiar. And the Lord wrought many mighty miracles, signs and wonders through him. But it was because of his great faith, his dedicated life. Right? Don't you know that the enemy would love to corrupt him? What about if somebody like Smith Wigglesworth walked along us right now? 
let me ask you something. If there was somebody walking among us right now who was exactly like Smith Wigglesworth, would we have heard of him by now? Yes. Yeah. But here's the other thing I know. If there was somebody like that, the world would do everything that it could to corrupt him. Yes. Well, well, let's let's throw, throw this at you. What about if Jesus was visiting us now instead of 2,000 years ago? Which, by the way, there'll be people that'll claim that they are. There are already people that are claiming that. But what about if Jesus, the real Jesus, our Savior, our God, what if He was to visit us right now in this current climate? Would people accept Him? Yeah, some would. Absolutely. If somebody came performing signs, wonders, and miracles, because just look at some of the cult leaders that get a following. Right? For less. But could you imagine if Jesus was walking on water, if Jesus was doing all of these things, if Jesus started preaching and teaching and feeding people that needed to be fed, if He's going, you know, all of those things that we say we want to do and that we're trying to do and all this, what about if Jesus was able to go up to a, 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 you know, a, a center, a hub where sex trafficking was taking place and just by His very presence, people came, confessed, and repented? What, what about that? Do you th- wouldn't that be awesome? Wouldn't that be peculiar? Absolutely. Would it be celebrated for about that long? What about if people, if he just built, because you know people would start following him. What about people that are poor, hungry, and people, and Jesus goes in and he just starts feeding the, 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 the hungry and, and, and giving shelter somehow, healing the sick wherever they are, and just ministering to all the people who are being told by governments that we're going to take care of you, but they don't. But he does. Would he get a following? Yeah. You know what else would happen? The governments would try to shut him down. Just like they did back then. They would do the same thing. And you know what? They're doing it anyway. They're doing it now. You represent Jesus in this world. And let me just honestly tell you something. It's not going to get better. And if you're doing it wrong, if you're doing it halfway, you won't feel the heat. But if you're peculiar, if you're his person, if you're his special person, you're going to feel the heat. Why? They hated him, they're going to hate you. So if you are not feeling the heat at all, then you're not doing it right. Why? Because you and I both know that if Jesus himself walked on this earth, he would be persecuted. He would be persecuted. He would be so peculiar. Oh man, there are many who would claim and, and there are so many hucksters and, and, and these tricksters and, and some of these things some of these things that are being done by the the, the black the dark side, you know, by by black magic and, and all these yeah, there's all of that garbage and all that gaga that happens, but it's on such a small scale, so, so local, so nothing. You know, yeah, yeah, okay, let them go ahead and do that in, in their own corners. You know, yeah, go ahead and worship your God. Remember we were talking about Pharaoh a couple of go ahead and worship your God, but in this box right here. But if you let if there was one of us, if more of us, if we stepped outside that box and all of a sudden the Lord what if it, what, what not even Jesus, what if there was a Paul? What if there was a Peter? that walked among us right now, who got up in the middle of, 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 of a Jewish ceremony, uh, got up in the middle of his synagogue, he would probably be run off, he'd probably be convicted of a hate crime. Come on, you know that I'm, ta- I'm, I'm talking real. What about that? What about it? What about if someone just said, listen, I am the way, the truth, and the life. and it was Jesus. It was backed up by signs, wonders, and miracles. It was this. What about that? What about if there was an empty tomb right here, right now, and no one could prove anything? Where that they find a way to explain it away. My brothers and sisters, where are the, the let's, let's, where are the Smith Wiggleworth? Where are they? Where are the Peters? Where are the Pauls? Do we, we may have some Peters and Pauls in this room. Look at these young people in this room right now. Maybe these are the ones that the Lord will empower. Are, you, are we praying for our young people? Maybe these will be the ones that will, will mighty signs and miracles will come through. Maybe these will be the ones where, listen, I don't care what anybody says, you're going to have to convince me otherwise. There's not going to be a worldwide revival. Not like we saw in the past. It's not going to be the second grade or third or fourth grade awakening. There's not going to be that. There's going to be pockets. 
There's going to be things that are happening right now underground in China, in Iran, in all of those nations where it's being brutally, the people are brutally beaten and their, their lives are threatened and they have to give up their life totally. Those are peculiar people. Those are God's special people. Amen? Hallelujah. So we need to raise up some mighty, special, peculiar people here. We need to be praying for our young people. We need to go ahead and make sure they understand that there is a God. And even though some of us have spent our lives compromising or finding a different way to do it or trying to explain away why that we still do some of the things that we do when we're supposed to be special and peculiar, but we still go ahead and we compromise. Man, maybe we need to shut that down. Hallelujah. Aren't you so glad you came today? (laughs) No, we need to pray for our kids. We need to lift them up. We need some of these special people. So, you know, I'm thinking about all this and I'm thinking about this new man, this new building. So I'm going to talk to unsaved people first because I know that there's unsaved people in this room and I know there's certainly unsaved people watching. Whereas I'm thinking about all of this stuff, I hope this makes sense to you like it does to me. I know I'm a little strange, so. So, you know, I've worked around construction my whole life. Um, my father and then later on and so on and so forth. Um, and I don't like here, some of you are more familiar with uh, the way uh, houses are built here in our general area. You know, you have that slab that's poured and then on that they block goes up and blah, blah, blah. But you know, did you ever notice that uh, before they do that, you know, the footer is dug so it's thicker and deeper so that the block is sitting on something a little bit more than, you know, f- three point three and five eighths of concrete, it's sitting on something that's more in, in line with supporting it, the weight. And Luke is an expert at this as well. My son is an expert. they builders. But listen, so if I get something wrong, guys, don't get offended. You wreck me later. So, but you'll notice that before they pour all of that, uh, they put plastic down on every bit of it. But before they put the plastic down, all of that ground is treated for termites. Right? It's all treated. Why? You gotta you, because it, that that termite can come up through any cracks any pores, any little spaces, it's going to come up through there. And it's going to start eating away at this building that's built. It's going to start eating away at this structure. So now, you know, if... if, I'll I'll say more my area of expertise. Whenever we're building uh, putting surfaces on golf courses, so we go in there, we form it, we got everything, you know, the drainage is in it and everything is just so and it's laid out and, and then... We come in there and they do, they sterilize the soil. They'll come in and they, they fumigate. Used to be, I'm not sure how they're doing it now. They took all of those chemicals away from us, but we used to fumigate. So there would be a tractor that comes in, it shoots some material into the ground, it becomes a gas, and then there's plastic that's rolled right over the top of it so that this gas stays in the soil. And it has to be on there for so many days. And what's happening is anything that's bad, anything, any nematodes, parasitic roundworms that eat turf, any weed seeds, anything that would corrupt that initial planting is, is done away with. Are you following me? So now when that, when the, when that new turf is put on the green, now it's, it's not corrupted. It, it is what it's supposed to be. And there's nothing now that's there that's coming up. See, Michelle and I, uh, so, so now when you're saved or when you're unsaved, you've got to know that you're corrupt. You need to be gassed. No, you're, you're corrupt. And yeah, in effect, what you do need is for Jesus to tie you back to God. You need to go ahead and let this corrupt put on the incorruptible. You need to become born again. And that's what that means. That Listen, you were dead. Remember what we just said. You were dead in your sin, in sins and trespasses. Right? You were dead. You were separated from God. You're not a special person anymore. Adam and Eve lost that for us. You, the whole human race has become corrupt. So now in order for that, listen, in order for that tie to be made back to God, this incorruption or this corruption has to put in on the incorruption 
Jesus, born again spiritually. You who are dead in your sins and trespasses, he made alive. Amen? By grace you're saved. Hallelujah. So now, in Christ Jesus, this corruptible has put on incorruption. Amen? Now, I'm going to speak to some of us now who are already saved. Here's part of the problem that I've noticed. It's because of you know, weak theology, uh, bad teaching. I, and I don't want to... I'm not trying to ridicule anybody or point fingers or fault. That's not it. It's maybe for a number of years now, we've allowed people to go under the assumption that, okay, I went up and I prayed a prayer and then I got baptized. And so that incorruption or that corruption is put on incorruption. It doesn't quite work that way. You've got to understand what it is that you're doing. See, and I was reminded real fast and easy, and, and some of you guys have heard this from this pulpit repeatedly, and that is, you know what we have to do is understand that when we go to Him, we're not inviting Him into our mess to clean it up. We're saying, I want to get rid of that mess and walk away from that mess and now give my life up to you. I want to join you. I don't want you to join me. Amen. Do you understand the difference? Jesus, I'm not inviting you into my messy life. I'm go- I want to go to you so that my messy life could be done away with and I can live the life that you've chosen for me. Amen. Right? There's a difference. And I'm going to tell you something, and I don't want you to be mad at me, but there's, lo- there's people in this room and a lot of people watching that have gone, at- gone the other way. I'm going to invite him into my life. I'm going to open my heart. He's going he's to knock on the door of my heart. I'm going to let him in. He's going to be in there, and now everything's okay. No. No, 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 no. I got to know his heart. I got to know his heart. Thank you, Lord. I, I, I wasn't sure if I was going to do this, but I am now. Um, in Luke chapter 9, write this down, look it up later, please. In Luke chapter 9, beginning in verse 57. Now it happened as they journeyed on the road that someone said to him, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes, birds have the, of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Do you understand what Jesus is saying? Okay, you're going to follow me, but it's not going to be a walk in the park. You know, we're, you're not following me and you're going to stay in the five-star resort. Why are you so quiet? Does any, can anybody help me out? Did I, did I misinterpret that? No, it's not going to be a cakewalk. Watch. Then he said to another, follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the the dead bury their own dead, but you go and preach the kingdom of God. Let the dead go and bury their own dead. Sounds pretty harsh. You're talking to someone who has just lost their parent. Boy, Jesus was tough. He was truthful. And another also said, Lord, I will follow you, but let me first go and bid them farewell who are at my house. But Jesus said to him, no one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Did you hear that? See, my brothers and sisters, when we decide to follow Jesus, this can't be like a little casual decision. We have to know what we're getting into. And that's what Jesus is saying. You've got to know what you're getting into. And if you're not willing to leave that life behind, if you're not willing to leave the comforts of this earth, whatever comfort that you think you're enjoying right now, if you're not willing to give that up, or if you're saying this, uh, I'm working real hard right now and I'm putting money in the bank because I'm really looking to buy that next fill-in-the-blank. If that's where you are, now there's nothing wrong. See, I, I always got to temper this. I'm not saying that there's something wrong with saving money. I'm not, I'm not saying that. I'm not say, but here's what I'm saying. My brothers and sisters, the most important thing that we have is Jesus. Amen. And if we're saving money for something that Jesus has called us to do, if we're saving money for something that benefits the kingdom of God, not a thing in the world wrong with that. If we're trying to help other people, if we're putting first the kingdom of God, there's nothing wrong with that. But what happens is if we're trying to build our own kingdom here, then we're missing it. We're missing what Jesus said. We're missing it. Oh, yeah, but I just want to be happy. Okay, listen. Being happy is temporal. Having joy is forever. There's a difference. There's a difference. Did I get off the subject? 
No, my brothers and sisters, listen, that's what happens. See, now I'm going to talk to Christians who, you know, you started off on the path and you, everything was good. I remember that Michelle and I, we had a house right up in here at Dade City. I wish I still had it. <laughs> we had a house right up in here at Dade City. And we, after we owned it for a little while, now a, a builder actually was who built the house. It, it was, the original owner was a builder. He sold it to a friend of mine. A friend of mine sold it to me. Now, we're in the house for a couple of years, and it's that season when the uh, termites start to fly or do their thing or whatever it is. I notice all of a sudden, man, there's a bunch of termites presenting themselves, and I'm saying, oh, no. I already put a bunch of money into this house, and I can't afford to put a bunch more in there. So I had a friend who was a brother in the Lord, uh, a pest control company, and I called him in. He said, oh, yeah, Tony. He says, this is the deal. And he told me, look, in order for us to really take care of this problem, we've got to drill into the foundation and we've got to shoot this chemical in there because th- these are coming up from the ground. Oh, no. How much is that going to cost me? Ching, ching. Nevertheless, what could have caused that? Well, maybe when they were building, maybe they didn't treat it properly. Maybe, maybe the plastic was down, but maybe it was left open in some areas and therefore the gas didn't stay in the ground. Maybe it volatilized and, and it lost some of its potency, its efficacy. Right? Come on. Are you following me? Maybe something was compromised right from the beginning. Right from the beginning, something was compromised. Something just wasn't right. So now, here I'm saying, you know what? We... we I, I want to have the signs, the wonders, and the miracles. I, I want the Holy Spirit to move among us. I want you know for, for you to feel confident that if your child gets sick, you can bring them to the elders of this church, or you yourself and your husband, your family, you can gather around your own children, and you could pray a prayer of faith, anoint them with oil if you want to, and just say, Lord, this is not your will. Lord, we pray. Lord, Holy Spirit, we love you. Oh, Lord, we love you. Lord, please heal my child. Lord, be Jehovah Rapha. We believe that you are God who heals and you put your whole heart, you're trusting Him and have your child healed. It's happened for people in this room. I'd love for that to be a common thing. Why? Because we're His special people. Because we're peculiar. But now we got to step back. Are we? Are we peculiar? Come on, God. See, and, and maybe there was something that there was a little bit of something back there when I thought that I was being, listen, renewed, when I thought that I was giving it all to Jesus, I hung on to just a little something. Or maybe there was a lack of knowledge in the beginning that I didn't know that I was, you know, come on, are you with me? But here's the great thing. You're still here. You're still here. You're hearing His Word. And right now I pray Holy Spirit is, is, is ministering to your heart, bringing conviction, not condemnation. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So I pray Holy Spirit is convicting you. And if you've never been born again, or if you don't know if you've been born again, then you haven't been. So if you haven't been born again, I pray Holy Spirit will be convicting you right now, whether you're in this room or whether you're watching, that the Holy Spirit is convicting you, I want that. I want to be renewed. I want to be God's special person. I want to be peculiar. You know what? There's a few of us in this church, but if we walk out there being His special people, being peculiar, something will happen. In your life. I don't care if they flock to this place. I don't care. I care that they flock to Jesus. And if something happens in your life and you're His special person and you're peculiar, you've got to expect a couple of things. Persecution? Yeah, they persecute Him, they're going to persecute you. That's how you know you're doing it right, right? Amen? Young people, there's going to be people who don't want to hang around you. There's going to be friends that are not. You're going to have to change maybe some of the people you're hanging around with. You may have to quit that club that you're a member of. You may have to. Older people, you may have to quit your job. Are you willing to do that? Are you willing to do that? Are you? See, that's it. That's what being peculiar is about. That's what being special is about. It's the whole, whole reason he's so special, my little Brock Morton. He's so no, little Brock Morton is not special. Little Brock Morton becomes special when he says, Jesus, I want you then he's peculiar, then he's special. No matter how beautiful those babies are, when my two little 
granddaughters become of age, I hope they're giving their hearts to Christ. As special as I think that they are, I know they are. As special as I think that they are, they won't truly be special until they name the name of Jesus. So now, think. I'm thinking. I'm, I'm, I've been saved all these years. Have I, have I let a little crack form? And is there some corruption that I've allowed in my life? Am I doing all of those things? See, now, I got, now, now you're worried. Now, Pastor Tony's got me worried. Am I even saved? I mean, that's, that's not what this is about. That's not what this is about. This is about, listen, listen. If you, if you have doubt, you don't have to. Right now, in this moment, if that's you, if you're saying, I don't even know, if you don't even know, then go on, get on the knees in your heart and say, Jesus, I don't want there to be doubt. Jesus, I want to be your follower. Jesus, take me where I need to go. And if you mean that with your heart, something will change. You will be peculiar. Amen? And not, not listen... Peculiar doesn't mean that you got to act like Tony or you got to be here, whatever. No, peculiar means you act like Jesus. Peculiar means, come on, peculiar means what Jesus said, what He does, that means everything to you. And you're willing, listen, and you're, listen, and you're willing to leave everything behind. Everything. No compromise. Are you willing? Come on. So to those who have been saved, and you know you were saved, but man, it's getting tough, isn't it? Isn't it? Listen, Galatians, sister, thank you. Thank you. I know that you're praying in your heart for me. Listen, there's a reason why Galatians says this in chapter 6, verse 9. Let us not grow weary in well-doing. For in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Why did he put that in there? He's talking to Christians. Why? Because he knows that there's going to come a point somewhere for some of us where, you know what, it seems like all of this stuff that I'm doing, I'm trying to be his special person. I'm trying to be peculiar. I'm getting lambasted. I'm getting beat about the head and shoulders. And and nothing seems to be happening. I pray and I'm I'm not seeing the answer. No, you haven't seen it. Uh huh. You haven't seen it in the natural, but in the supernatural, you hang on to faith and you keep praying His will, and something is happening. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop. You never stop working. I know Ellen, he's laughing at me right now in that back room. But do you hear what I'm saying? Now, when you sang that song, did you believe it? Did you believe it? See, but here's the point. Listen, God knew it's going to be tough. And he said, let us not grow weary in well-doing. For in due season, you will reap, but don't faint. Don't pass out. Don't let it get to you. Don't give up. Keep doing it. Keep plowing. Keep planting. Keep watering. Keep doing it. Because there is a harvest that God is going to reap in due season. When he says it's time, that's when it happens. Not in your time. Not in my time. In his time. Amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I'm so glad I've got some of you paying attention this morning. Now, I'm going to end in Colossians again. Now, long before Colossians 3, there became Colossians 1. See, 1, 3, right? So, 1 was first. Colossians 1, beginning verse 3. We give thanks to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of your love for all the saints, because of the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, of which you heard before in the word of truth of the gospel which has come to you as it has also all in all the world and is bringing forth fruit. What's bringing forth fruit? The word of truth, the gospel. Amen? As it is also among you since the day you heard and knew the grace of God in truth, as you also learned from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf, who also declares to us your love in the Spirit. So he's let us know how much you love us in the Spirit. Verse 9. For this reason, we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to ask. Let me pause here. My brothers and sisters, when you look in your Bible, there's not going to be bullet points here. I put these bullet points here not to 
Um, change the Word of God. It's not changed. But I understand it better this way, and I want to teach it to you this way. Because I want to say, look at, watch. Here's the thing. Who's Paul speaking to? He's speaking to a bunch of saved people. Isn't he? He's speaking to a bunch of saved people. And here's we since the day we heard it, we do not cease to pray for you and to ask for saved people. He's asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. My brothers and sisters, is that happening in your life right now? Are you being filled with knowledge of His will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding? My brothers and sisters, this must be pretty important. See, my brothers and sisters, that those of us who are saved, those of us who are born again, those of us, listen, those of us who are, want to be peculiar, you cannot be peculiar and you can't be special without these things. Right? Right? Amen? amen. Let me hear. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. You have to have these things. These things should be happening. Amen? Okay. Look at this. That you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing Him. So what does that mean? I'm walking according to the principles and precepts that He taught me in this Bible. I'm walking according to the path that Jesus laid before me. I'm walking according to what Jesus did. Amen? Amen? Amen. Okay. Being fruitful in every good work. Remember, we've been talking about being redeemed and we're redeemed for His purpose. And remember last week we talked about we got to be producing fruit, amen? And the week before that, there should be fruit. So the work that He's called us to, right? He's going to reap the harvest. It's the fruit. Listen, my brothers and sisters, we may think we're being fruitful because we're doing something we feel comfortable with. I got to tell you, nine times out of ten, maybe not, maybe seven times out of ten, it's going to be something that makes you uncomfortable. Why? Because it's going to be God working through you. And it's got to be Him being recognized and not you. Amen? Amen? Okay. So that's why I sing, because obviously, no, I'm kidding. That you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing Him, being fruitful in every good work, the good work that He's prescribed, and increasing in the knowledge of God. Increasing in the knowledge of God. I don't want to embarrass anybody, but man, there are some people that I know have been in the Lord for a long time. They don't know nothing. And I'm not trying to be a dope up here. I really am not. I'm not trying to insult anybody. I'm, I'm, I'm really not. And it's not, listen, I still have so much to learn. That's the great thing about this word. I mean, I could read same same scriptures that I first read. I mean, I could, but anybody ever talks to me, Pastor, where should I start? I want to read, I want to study the Bible. I'm like a broken record. John, the Gospel of John. You want to start reading about, read the Gospel of John first. Study it. You'll get to know Jesus that way. Why? John knew a couple of things about Jesus or the Holy Spirit revealed a couple of things about Jesus. One, He's God. Period. He's God. Amen? Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. He's love. This, this, John absolutely knew this beyond any shadow of a doubt and explains it well and he, he describes it well and he describes the person and the God that Jesus is in his gospel. So if you want to get to know Jesus, that's where you start. And then you know what? I would say read John and just go backwards. John, Luke, Mark, Mike... Um, What's the other guy's name? Matthew. <laughs> you, you, do you understand what I'm saying? Okay? Okay, so now watch. Are we doing that? Are, are, are we doing that? I want, to, I want to push on this. Increasing in the knowledge of God. And now I've heard so many people, yeah, I know God. I, yeah, I've studied that Bible. You maybe know of Him, you've heard of Him, and you've got your mind made up of, of what God is or what He might be like or the whole nine yards. Listen, I'm not, I'm not trying to foo-foo any of the knowledge that you have. I'm not. But he, look, 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 is it growing? That's all I'm asking you. Is it growing? Because my brothers and sisters, look at what the apostle is saying. So now watch. I, w- I will tell you something. For those of us who are born again, and we're his peculiar people, we're his special people, these things need to be part of our lives. These are things that have to be part of our lives. How do I know that? Well, why would the apostle, under the influence of the Holy Spirit, say this to save people? if it wasn't important. I'm praying this for you. See what he's saying? I'm praying this for you guys. Yeah, I've heard of all this. I've heard of all this. I know all this is going on, but here's what I pray. Amen? So we're going to end in this last scripture. Hallelujah. I know some of you say, Amen, hallelujah. We're going to end in this last scripture. In James, and this is going to be out of New Living uh, uh, Translation. James one twenty six and 27. Thank you, Mary. If you claim to be religious but don't control your tongue, 
you are fooling yourself and your religion is worthless. Now look, normally we don't use the word religion because really it's not about being religious, it's about relationship. But the point is, if you claim that you're this pious person, but you can't control your tongue, then that's, it's worthless. You're not pious at all as it relates to the true and living God. Amen? Okay. Pure and genuine religion or piety in the sight of God and the Father means caring for orphans and widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. Do you see that? I, I'm, I'm so sick and tired of this world. Uh, I want out, <laughs> to tell you the truth. Nevertheless, He hasn't seen fit for me to be out. Nor you. We're here. So, my brothers, my sisters, my young brothers, my young sisters, if you're born again, we have to refuse to let this world corrupt us. You know what I've got to do? I've got to stop seeing this stuff and talking about it. I'm so sick and tired of all the political gaga. Here's what I do know about Jesus. They'll kill him because he won't take a side. He won't take a side. It's just like this. Here's the perfect illustration. Remember when Joshua was getting ready to go in? And he was out, he was overlooking the land, and, and the, the, the uh, ca- captain of the army of the Lord, the host of the army of the Lord, w- w- was standing before him, and he was taken back, and he says, are you for them, or are you for us? I'm for God. I'm for neither. I'm the captain of the army of the Lord. My brothers and sisters, that's how you need to be. I'm not for them, I'm not for them, I'm, not, I'm for God. Amen? Amen. 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 Stay with me, please.